Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is TeacherCast podcast episode number 177, Zooming Through Student Professional Development Through Video Conferencing. Today, we have a fantastic teacher on to talk about how she's using video conferencing to make her classroom just a little bit more friendly to each other. Before we get to our guest today, I want to remind you we've got some great things happening over on TeacherCast. If you are an instructional technology coach, we have resurrected our fantastic podcast called Ask the Tech Coach. You can find out more information over at askthetechcoach.com. Nick Amaral and I, a great tech coach, are going to be doing weekly shows. We've been putting them out every Tuesday. And basically right now we're walking through the life of a technology coach. So we've been talking about what you need before you start the school year. What are some of the things that you can do to work with your teachers? And we've been giving away some pretty cool free prizes. So go over to askthetechcoach.com or share this link with your instructional coach. We would love to have you there. If you're a podcaster or interested in creating a blog or brand for yourself, we also have our educational podcasting channel. You can go over to educationalpodcasting.today. Learn how to make your own website using WordPress. Google Sites, and of course, how to use the great equipment to make your own podcast. Want to get into the meat of our show today. Our teacher, Stacy Roshan, has been doing some amazing things with video conferencing. She and I got hooked up through the amazing company called Zoom. You might have heard of them, a great video conferencing company. We're going to talk a little bit about how you guys can bring video conferencing in. Stacy, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm doing well. It is so good to have you here. We had a chance to, to, to catch up a little bit before we started the recording here. You are doing some amazing things in your school with your students. Tell us a little bit about what you do each day. Thanks. Well, for me, I um, first got interested in Zoom because I'm teaching this purely online AP Calculus class. And I was really looking for solutions to preserve the interaction, to really get that community feel in my AP Calculus classroom. I wanted students to have an opportunity to talk things out with one another, to hear from one another, to see one another. Um, and that is where I first brought Zoom into my classroom and I've just found so many different uses for it that I've been able to, you know, bring into a face-to-face -face classroom and to really make my online classroom thrive. So what is Zoom? How does it work? How are you building lesson plans? We're going to get to all of that stuff. But first, I want to talk to you about the concept of using video conferencing. I know you said that you teach an online course. Clearly, yeah. there's video conferencing in there. But many of us are still in a one classroom or multiple classroom kind of environment. Yeah. Should teachers be teaching with video? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, before I started teaching online, I was flipping my um, classroom and I started with AP Calculus. I started because I had this problem of having so much material to cover and I felt like I was standing at the front of the board for too long. And I wanted a way to just to be able to go around, be with the students and hear what they were discussing. Because to me, that's the 
exciting and important part of class is listening in on conversations, seeing how students are thinking, really seeing that process of them working together, collaboratively problem solving. And I was spending way too much time at the board lecturing. And so by offloading that lecture to video, um, I've been able to have all the time in my AP calculus class to do those activities that I was running out of time for before. So that was my initial, you know, how I got into recording videos and making them available for students. But that was very much me doing the videoing. And now using Zoom, I've been able to have students create more. So I don't just use Zoom to get on um, and, you know, have a, a class because obviously we do have an online class. Sometimes we have a synchronous session through Zoom, which is just a video conferencing tool. Um, but I also have students create Zoom sessions, record them, submit them, and so forth. Well, let's take a look at that, because usually when we look at video, there's two different kinds, right? There's pre-recorded video, and then there's live video. Now, clearly, you are doing both of those. Why would I want to be creating pre-recorded video, say for flipped classrooms, and when would I want to be using live video for other types of lesson plans? Yeah. So when I make my, you know, flip classroom videos that I create and students watch it whenever they want, there's some benefits to that um, that I really see. Those videos are, you know, very information based and information I want to get across to the student. And then we're going to play with that knowledge later. And so um, those videos, the, the benefit of them being recorded and students being able to watch them at any time and not live is that they can watch it, you know, at their own pace. Uh, they can pause as they need. They can even speed up the video playback or slow down the video playback as needed before a test. They can go back to those videos and review them. It's great for an AP class before we get to an AP exam. Um, students actually make a playlist of the videos they need to go back and rewatch and review. Now, the live videos um, in my online class, for example, we have one synchronous session a week where the whole class gets on. And I do not treat that as a lecture at all because I really value that time, that once a week time that we're all on together and we can talk. And that time is really devoted to, you know, digging deeper, making connections, seeing how everybody's thinking, getting that classroom feel. And it's very interactive. Um, and then the other component of using the video chat in the classroom is um, my students do their own Zoom sessions. So once a week, they have to turn in a Zoom that they just hop on a session with a friend they just pull it up just like they're facetiming a friend and they just work on their math homework and they record that and they submit it so that i can review it and why is that such a benefit to me um i talked about that i flipped my classroom originally because i wanted the time to go around the classroom and hear what students were saying it's so important to hear students process through solving the math problems when they just hand in a sheet of paper. Yes, they show all their work and all that, but I lose all, all that what's going on in their mind. So just this simple, simple solution of asking students once a week, hop on a chat with a classmate or, you know, I do larger groups so that I don't have too many to watch. Um, hop on a chat and talk it out and just do your math homework as you're going to do anyway. But then I can really... I really know where they were struggling, you know, um, things that I couldn't see on a piece of paper. I get to hear and see. 
I, I love the examples here, and I, I know everybody out there is taking notes right now of different ways to bring these videos in. I want to back up just for one second here and talk about the pre-recorded videos. Many people are interested in flipping, making these videos. So I want to throw a couple questions, three questions exactly. When you're doing videos, what would you say a perfect time should be, right? Is this five minutes, eight minutes, 25 minutes? What what, what is what do you shoot for on these? Is it better to make many three-minute videos or one 12-minute video? Yeah, I mean, that one's definitely up for debate, and I've heard so many people talk about this question. Um, for me, when I assign video lectures, that is the only homework my students are doing. Um, and I think that it's really important to think about what your environment is, um, what your students are, who your students are um, and what your goals are. I don't at all think there's a one size fits all answer for this, to be honest. I make my videos somewhere between 15 and 25 minutes for AP Calculus. So that's their only homework that night. And I'm assuming it's going to take them about one and a half times that video length to complete the assignment because they may be pausing. I also do um, assign them through Edpuzzle so I can add interactivity into it. So students have to respond to a couple quiz questions along the way so I can, you know, monitor how they're understanding, if they're understanding, and also they can do self-checks. Am I understanding the material right now? Let me do this multiple choice. Okay, I thought I understood it, but now I can't do the problem. Maybe I should rewind. Um, and again, you know, I think it depends on your students. My students are used to, in an AP class, most AP classes are 45 minutes of homework a night. Is that right? Is that wrong? That's a whole nother topic of debate. But um, assuming that, uh, I think that's appropriate an appropriate assignment for them. And as far as the format, do you recommend, and again, I, I know you're doing like the higher level classes here, but do you recommend doing a video of you lecturing? Do you recommend a screencast taking it through something? Or what do you find has been um, appropriate for your students? Again, you've got the older AP kinds of kids. Yeah, I do screencasts of just, you know, I'm not in them. It's just my screen. Um, but what I think is very important is, Students are actively doing something as they're watching. So for me, I create a PowerPoint, which it's not a fancy PowerPoint. It just has the problem on it at the top of the slide. And then I have students print that out ahead of time. So that's their notes. So it's just like the question at the top and a bunch of blank white space. And during the screencast, while they're watching it, they see me writing on the screen and they use that same template that I'm writing on as their notes. So if there's any graphics that need to be there, that's already printed for them. And they just have really nice notes in the classroom. They have that on their desk when they come into the room without me even asking. And that's how they start their assignment for the day. We usually start with something at the board. So we dig a little bit deeper. We go over any questions that were there and then they use those notes that they took um, to guide them. And so I'm helping them take good notes. I'm helping them keep their notes organized and giving them some good fundamentals uh, for note taking also in the process of doing that. But I think it's very important for students to be doing something as they are watching because just watching a video is very, a very passive activity. So by having them take notes and by using Edpuzzle, those are two ways that I've, 
I've found have really helped. So you have these videos. They're 20, 25 minutes long. They're certainly active. How are you getting them the information? How are you publishing them? Do you have a Google slide? Do you have a Google site? Do you put this in Classroom? Do you have a OneDrive? Yeah. Well, what, do you, what do you do here to, to actually get them all the information? And you can talk Classroom, but then also you can, I mean, obviously you've got your online stuff as well, yeah. right? Yeah. So I just publish everything um, to YouTube because that's the easiest way to then get it into Edpuzzle. And then my school has a learning management system. We use PowerSchool Learning, and that's what I use to organize everything. Each chapter I have outlined on my um on my LMS. So I have the chapter, I have under that a subpage for each section that we do. I have the video available there. I have the, any textbook, any worksheets that we have, all of that is just organized on one page. So I have a separate page for each, uh, section. And to me, that's just a very well, easy way to organize everything. But then I think having the YouTube channel is great because if a student needs to go back and find something, I label each of the videos appropriately so that they can easily, you know, just search and find um, content. I think searchability is always an important thing. You, you certainly sound like you have your routine <laughs> down pat here I, I i we didn't talk about this earlier but perhaps you might consider sharing a a video example maybe an ed puzzle you know if we can probably pro pro wow if we could possibly like embed something on the show notes page we would love to do that this is teacher cast podcast episode number 100 and 77. Now, when we're looking at, you know, using video for video conferencing, like, right, let's flip the coin to the other side here. Yeah. Should school districts, should students, should teachers be looking to connect with other classrooms for live one-to-one -one, um, learning? Yeah, I think in theory, it's awesome and great. I would say that a lot of times the logistics of that become very difficult. And that's where I don't ever want to get hung up on the logistics part of it. Planning, are, do our classes meet at the same time? Are we on in different time zones? You know, all that that happens. And I would say that I've had a little bit more success trying to do that asynchronously. So having some videos, posting some videos, um, and you know, having, for instance, something like a flip grid, which is just very easy for students all over to post to. And then I can connect with other classrooms. Other classrooms can watch my video and respond at their own time in their own space. Um, I would say that sometimes I've had more success with that only because it's easier to plan with, with schedules at different schools and all that. It can be challenging. <laughs> Now, let's talk a little bit about some of the popular applications that are out there, right? And, and, and again, let's kind of go back and forth here because maybe someone's listening to this and they, they don't know where to start or they have something and they're looking to upgrade or they want to change something or what's out there. I know for myself when I'm using recorded video, stuff that I'm making my screencast for, many teachers are using Camtasia. ScreenFlow, those are two of the more popular paid versions because they've got editors on them. I also use um, Screencast-O-Matic and Screencastify. Um, let's just kind of talk about screencasting software. Do you use any of those or is there something else that we can add to that that mix there? I am a Camtasia user. Excellent. So, yeah, I, I just like being able to record and edit and it's 
a very good program for making a screencast. Um, I can add in, you know, the call out bubbles and all that type of thing. And I definitely edit my videos. I enjoy making the videos. I enjoy the editing process and they take me a, a good while to make my videos. But, um, I, again, I enjoy that process. So, uh, you know, I, I would never recommend to a teacher that, you know, you must make your videos this way or your videos must be finely edited or any of that. I think a lot of it goes to, you know, what are you passionate about as a teacher? Like to me, each year I go back and I edit videos and I add in something, I add in a new example and I can do all that. Um, so yeah, Camtasia has definitely been my go-to. So now we have our video editors, right? We have things like our iMovies, our Final Cuts, our Windows Movie Maker. Um, I know there's a new movie program out in Windows 10 that's doing some pretty cool things. Um, what is your video editor of choice? Or are you using Camtasia for regular video editing too? Because that's, that's also a popular thing to do. Yeah, I'm, I really use Camtasia for most everything. The other thing that I'm really interested in is WeVideo. So I do use WeVideo a bit, and um, we're using that now as a school. And I think it's just a great way for everybody to be able to edit videos on any device. I would say that was um, my main reason. You know, I'm also a technology coordinator at my school, and I was, um, you know, I was saw so many students who had the Mac, who had iMovie, who were always doing the video editing for different projects that were signed. They got a choice of what they wanted to do and they were the ones who were in charge of it. And if they didn't come to school with their laptop or if they were absent or whatever, or if the video needed to be finished last minute, they were always in charge of it. And I just wanted a program that was collaborative and could be used on any device. And WeVideo is a solution to that um, for sure. And uh, they also have a library of assets that students can use. It's royalty free, really um, into that. Now, let's talk a little bit about doing live video. This is the one that everyone's kind of asking about, and probably the reason why people are listening to the show today is what is the best way to do video conferencing, connecting with other classrooms? Yeah. We talked earlier about using Zoom, right? I've been using Zoom for a while now. It's a great platform for my podcast. It's a great platform for getting in, for making meetings. Why use Zoom in the classroom? First of all, it's just so easy to use, and I found it to be so reliable. Um, so most of the time, my students are joining from their laptop, but they can just join from their phone if they need to. The phone app works great. There's an iPad app. Um, it's easy and reliable if, they, if something's wrong with a student's um, you know, laptop or their Wi-Fi or connection or whatever, there's always a call-in number. So that's a backup way. Um, that was something important as I was looking for different um, tools that were available as a teacher. If I am doing a Zoom session, I also can break students out into different um, breakout rooms. That's what they call it. So if I want to say, okay, we're having a live session right now and I have 15 students and I want to break them out into five different groups of three people a piece, I can do that. I can just press a button in Zoom and it breaks them out into their own little rooms. And then I can actually pop in to the different rooms and listen in on whatever they're talking about as needed. Um, it's also just, you press a button and you record it. So that's great. Um, if I have 
purchased Zoom, then I can record it to the cloud. If I have a free version of Zoom, my students use the free version of Zoom, I can still record that session. It just records it to my um, computer, my, my desktop, and then you know I can upload it to Google Drive. So, you know, I love the fact that Zoom can be used for multiple things. Like, we don't think about that when it comes to this, but it's great on Macs, it's great on Windows. Most importantly, it's great on Chromebooks, too. Like, any student can have this. I also love the ability here to bring in that phone number. We've been doing that here. And so that means that in a classroom, you don't have to, you know, necessarily do a video conference. You can find that expert out on Twitter or someplace like that and have them just literally call into your class. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the things that you're excited about when it comes to video conferencing? And how are your students seeing the progress of using video conferencing in the classroom? What, what are some of the things that you know, video conferencing is enhancing your curriculum for? Sure. Um, I think, first of all, it's just, you know, technology. So many times I think we, we say you know, you're losing that human touch and, and it's automated and all this stuff. And I think this is really a way to bring in that, um, you know, you're seeing each other, that compassion, that empathy and so forth. Um, I, I think I'm able to learn a lot from just seeing my students and in an online environment in particular, this has been an awesome, easy solution. You know, it's not to me, I didn't want to add one more thing to my class for students to do. And I'm so, you know, instead of asking them to do a problem set, now I just ask them, okay, record yourself doing that problem set. And I hope that by asking them to do this type of assignment, I'm actually giving them, you know, good study skills for the future because um, math can be quite difficult to do over the phone. And using Zoom, um, they're video chatting each other. They can hold, you know, their paper up to the screen to show each other what they're doing, but they can also just like, there's this little whiteboard that you can use in Zoom. So they can just like draw on their screen, see what each other are doing. Um, and again, my students are just using it on a weekly basis. So I hope that I'll start to build that habit for them to, you know, hop on a call for anything that they're doing, any problem solving that they're doing so that they can work together. I think that's the name of the game in all of this is the collaboration piece and, and to work through the problems together, to see each other, to talk to each other, um, to listen to one another. You know, many people think that Zoom is a great conferencing platform, but I don't think many teachers out there have gone to zoom.us forward slash education, I would certainly recommend any you know teacher doing it. Many, many universities, many, many K-12s are looking at this going, okay, it's a great platform. Obviously, as a Microsoft and Google type person myself, you know, um, Skype is fantastic. Yep. Google Hangouts is fantastic. Um, Google Meet, I think they call it now, is fantastic. Um, yeah. As a podcaster and especially as a teacher, the one thing that I'm not thrilled about with those platforms is the quality. And I, I will tell you, I've never had any problems with connections or quality when it comes to using that Zoom platform. And it's easy. And, you know, there's a lot of neat things that you can certainly do out there with it. You were telling me how easy it is to use it for your calculating stuff. When we're getting into these different video conferencing platforms of any kind, Talk to us a little bit about the equipment that you have. Like, do you need to go out and spend a lot of money for things? And, and maybe if you could talk about what you do for your screencasts 
Sure. Um, and then maybe if you're, if you're doing classroom stuff, like what do you need? And I've got a couple suggestions too. We'll talk about those. But what do you recommend for either the personal or the classroom equipments? Sure. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, if you have an iPad, you kind of have a solution there. I like using my Mac and I have a Wacom tablet that I plug into my Mac and that's how I write on my screen. I actually very fortunate that I have a class set of the small Wacom tablets. So they're like, "Mm, I don't know. They're a small size, like a big mouse pad. Think of it like that. And I give those to my students so that they can also write on their screen when we're having these video chats. And also really important to our video chats is um, I embed a Pear Deck into each of them. Not embed, but just students go to Pear Deck. And Pear Deck is a Google Slides presentation that is interactive. And so that's how I start my Zoom sessions when we meet all together with um, in my online class. And so I ask students to kind of problem solve. And I can see them writing in real time. And so they're writing on that little Wacom tablet. That's the same process I do for creating my uh, flip classroom videos. I, they, they work well. Um, and yeah, that's really the technology that I use. That with Camtasia, I do have a mic. Um, and that's about it. I mean, the Wacom tablets, they're all different prices. Those small ones that I referred to are, you know, somewhere, they're definitely under $100, their price point. But the Wacom tablets go all the way up to thousands of dollars. So it depends on, you know, your budget. You know, many people ask us about the different kinds of equipment for the classrooms. I have a simple link if you guys want to, you know, write this down or check this out. But it is teachercast.net slash equipment, right? Everything that we have is on there. But basically, you know, if you're looking for microphones, I always say for a classroom, get something like a snowball mic. It's cheap. It's 70 bucks somewhere in there. But the thing about that is that it really works best if you get like a 15 or 25 foot USB cord, because that way you can put the microphone in the middle of the room and not just have everything up to the front. I I was working with the kindergarten class last year and, you know, the kids, because the microphone was in the middle of the room, these little kindergartner kids didn't have to scream as much. They could do their video conferencing and, and we were definitely um, getting the you know all the kids engaged in that stuff. So it's definitely doing something like that. I love the idea for the iPad. But, you know, definitely make sure that you have something, especially if you're doing screencasting. I've, I've got people that want to do it with, like, you know, the microphone in their laptop. It it. 50 bucks to get a microphone is nothing. Yeah. Right? Even for a podcaster, you know, I'm talking to some people here, $50 for the microphone that I'm using right now. And it's like a hundred dollars for the boom arm. It's if you're going to get into this stuff, absolutely get into this stuff. I love the idea that you were saying earlier about using your LMS, like use this stuff to your advantage with everything here. Um, yeah. How do you start this process? It's the beginning of the year, and I know I have a lot of teachers that come onto the show and say, oh, I do this and this and this, but people who are listening to this show are just getting started. What does that first day, week, month look like? How do you train your kids to learn the way you teach? Yeah, such a good question, and my process has been, you know, eight years since I've been flipping my classroom to get to where I am right now. So uh, it's definitely been a process. My first year, um, I just focused on making the videos, really. That was very time consuming. I 
um, got the kids into the routine of what I expected. Um, as, as you've been able to tell since the beginning of, of this show, I am very into routines and getting students used to something and they know what to expect and they really show up for me in that way. And so, you know, just setting those expectations early on and getting them into a routine of, okay, we will watch a video for homework. That will be our only homework. The reason that we're doing this is because really explain to students why we're doing it this way and what the expectation is. So no, you're not supposed to understand everything that happens in the video because no, you're not ever supposed to be able to do all your homework at home all by yourself. And that is why I'm giving you something that we are going to be able to do together in the classroom. We are going to be able to, you know, really delve into it in the classroom. We're going to be able to collaborate in the classroom. The most important work happens in the classroom and making sure my students understand that and also that their parents understand that so that they can support them, especially with younger kids. I think that's really, really important. Um, and so, you know, don't take on too much at once because you want to do it really well. So I took on the video, making the videos my first year, my second year, really got into making them more interactive. So adding in, you know, putting them all in Edpuzzle and thinking through how I wanted to ask questions in that. Um, and then I, I thought about, okay, I need to change up the assignments that I'm giving in the classroom because we can do a lot more. So thinking about that. So each year kind of setting one big goal for myself, what's the most important thing and just being true to that, um, I think has been very important in my process. When I started teaching online, I said to myself, what's the most important thing for me? And my answer to that was creating a community and a family in our online environment. And that was why I looked to tools such as Zoom because I needed a way for us to talk to each other. We had a, we have a chat platform actually that we can type to each other and text message, but there's something different in being able to talk things out. And also, if I have to give constructive criticism to a student, which happens, um, and I'm not seeing them face to face, it's very important for me to have an easy communication, video communication tool so that they can see my face, I can see their face, and I can see how they're receiving that feedback. Um, because sometimes a written message doesn't come across just as you think it would. So all those things I think are important to think about. Stacey, I want to say thank you so much for your time today. I would love to have you come back on and show us more about your flipped classroom. If you guys have any questions for Stacey, you can, of course, reach out to us here on the show. And, of course, all of our show notes are going to be over on TeacherCast.net. This is TeacherCast podcast episode number 177. Stacey, I'll give you the last word here. Any advice to somebody starting off the year and just saying to themselves, where do I start with this? Yeah, I would say... Think about a problem that you have in your classroom right now. What's one thing that's really bugging you? Um, and then possibly look to some of the things I said today or look to EdTech as a solution. I think that is the very most important part. So if I bring you back to my beginning, AP Calculus class, I had students who had more questions than I could get through in a day, and I needed more time to sit with them one-on-one. -on -one. And so that's where I looked to video screencasting as my solution to offload some of the lecture. And um, I think that is my approach to technology in general. And to me, that's what makes a good solution is look for your problem first. Don't create a problem. 
Look for your problems first. Don't create a problem. Stacy, where can we get a hold of you? I can be found on Twitter at BuddyXO, or my blog is techymusings.com. And one more time, Stacey, I want to say thank you so much for, sh- for sharing your passions here on the platform. And I also want to say thank you guys out there for being a part of this podcast and all of the shows on the TeacherCast Educational Network. You can, of course, subscribe to this show over at TeacherCast.net slash iTunes, where you can find all of the great stuff that we're doing online. On behalf of everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students.